0: Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, where we share knowledge, philosophies, wisdom, and insight to help you on your journey in both sport and life. Introducing your host, Rob Riles. Hello, and welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast. Welcome along. It's Rob Riles welcoming you to another edition. Now, in today's program, I'm going to get straight into it. And a couple of things. I'm going to indulge myself. Why? Because I'm going to talk about an individual that I have a great deal of respect for. Someone who is no longer with us on this earthly plane. Someone who is... one of my heroes and I'm not alone in that someone who was from the world of football and football management I'm going to be talking about a guy called Jock Steen his actual name was John and that is what his mother called him all his life. But he became known famously throughout the world as Jock. The credit for this podcast essentially goes to two people. One, Ken Gallagher and two, Archie McPherson, who have both written... Fabulous biographies on the man himself. I read the first one by Ken initially and could have done the podcast then, but I decided to read the, the other one. and the work of Archie McPherson filled in many many gaps. so credit to both of these gentlemen who both knew Jock Steen in a way that I can only really touch on. Now, why am I talking about Jock Steen apart from it being a little bit of self-indulgence? I say that with tongue in cheek, because if you are a football coach, a football manager, a football supporter, or indeed you are someone who is interested in leadership, Jock Steen and his life have many things to learn from. It's a beautiful story, and I hope you enjoy it and I also hope you get lots of things out of it and I cannot recommend enough if you like it. You go and spend some time reading Ken and Ken's book and uh Archie's book. so here we go: The life of Jock Steen and lessons from it so Jock was formed, and I use that word purposefully, by being born in the coalfields of Lanarkshire in southern Scotland. And he was chiselled, if you like, and formed out of the same stuff as Bill Shankly. Now Shanks came from Ayrshire, a little bit to the west. But he came from the coalfields, where the options in life for young boys were basically work in the pit or you better be really good at boxing or football. And if you were lucky, and I mean lucky, and hard working and determined. You may, if you defy all the odds, have an opportunity to escape being a minor for 20 or 30 years before you probably die of pneumonicosis or a pit disaster. That was the reality of life for most people who came from where Steen came from and Bill Shankley. And very similarly, Sir Matt Busby and Sir Alex Ferguson. Now, these four guys who form a quartet of the most esteemed football managers that you can get, along with numerous others. But particularly these four. Why? Because they're all Scottish. They're all from working class backgrounds. They all herald from the stock, the wear, team spirit and determination and looking after each other fundamental values in life and they all went on to become world class football managers espousing values and facilitating the transformation of those values into reality in their life So Jock Steen was born into that world in 1922 and his life in football in terms of a career began when he was a part time player after he played for Blantyre Victoria for Albion Rovers who after 130 years, very recently, lost their league status. And he was part-time. His main job was working in a coal mine. And in the evenings and weekends, he'd go to training and play for pin money. And as a young man, he wasn't a great player and he wanted full-time football because that's what he wanted as a career and you're going to recognise this if you have any desire he moved himself from his beloved Scotland and went to play for Flanethley in Wales because they offered him a full-time contract and he left his country, and obviously he had to go and live there. And then, through circumstance, essentially, I believe that it was because while their family were away from their home in Scotland, the house suffered, suffered a burglary, which greatly upset his wife, who could, couldn't tolerate the fact that the house was not safe returned home and Jock then had a decision to make and I believe from my reading that he then decided that his family was more of a priority than living away and pursuing a football career and basically decided to return to Scotland and had given had all but given up his football career For the love of his family. And it was a dark time for Jock. But his values were his values. What a great lesson that is. We're all tested. And it's where your values really are. That determines what you do. And shows who you are. In times of adversity. However. A call came. As Jock was deciding, had decided and was moving back to Scotland from one of the giants, Glasgow Celtic. And Jock, as a centre-half, was wanted as basically a stopgap, as they were short in that position. And obviously he grabbed it with both hands and joined the Glasgow club. And in the book, in both books, it's well documented, particularly in Archie's book, about the bigotry that went on and the hatred that existed and exists in the region, with the historical tentacles that go back generations that are manifest in the two Glasgow clubs of Rangers and Celtic of Protestantism and Catholicism. Now, Jock Steen was from a Protestant family. All his mates were Protestants. And his family obviously were. But here was a guy who was one of the few Because in those days, in the previous days, if you were a Protestant, you were associated with Rangers. And if you were a Catholic, you were associated with Celtic. And nothing infiltrated either club that wasn't associated with the relevant religion. Hard to believe, I know, but true. Jock broke the mould. A Protestant man playing for Celtic and as a result lost friends and I believe suffered because of family division. How many of us would be prepared to bear that kind of cross? So Jock turns up at Celtic as a stopgap and he's this unassuming pretty basic player and he's not big time he doesn't try to make a big impression he just does his own thing and he watches and waits and he gets a call up to play and he's not outstanding he doesn't change the world but he's solid does a decent job he's humble and he gets on with it and because Probably, possibly, probably because of his lack of natural ability. Don't get me wrong, he could play to a level. But anybody who knows football and sport, you know what I mean. He studied the game and he was a leader of men. He organised, he talked, he got on with people and he created and was part of a really good dressing room and club culture. So after facing obscurity, he established himself in the team. But then, just like many who go on to become great managers, he was dogged by injury. He had an ankle injury that changed the way he played and eventually beat him. He had numerous surgeries on it, but never solved the problem. And Jock's playing career came to a premature end. But being a student of the game, being obsessed with it, being a leader of men, Jock had the attributes and the desire to be in the game as a coach and a manager. And initially he managed at Dunfermline. And then at Hibernian, and at both clubs was did really well. cutting his teeth if you like, putting in the groundwork. Jock Steen, the manager. And then the call came naturally from Celtic. Are you struggling to find that extra edge to help you stand out above the crowd? Separating yourself from the rest is often about personal leadership. Achieve your true potential and become who you really can be. The Leader Manager Coach Pro Course is a unique membership accessing the knowledge and wisdom from history's greats that will help you develop both personally and professionally to make you truly stand out. The Leader Manager Coach Pro Course. Access now at patreon.com. Leader Manager Coach. And Celtic, as is said in the book, had become Jock's first love. And he wasn't going to turn it down. So Jock Steen became the manager of Celtic, once again. Traversing the great criticisms of a club who appointed a Protestant manager when they were a Catholic club. He was appointed by Bob Kelly, the chairman. And such was the excitement of his appointment that the club captain at the time, Billy McNeil, who was considering leaving the club, decided to stay. And those two became part of three delineated relationships that sustained and marked Jock's time at Celtic. He actually became really one of the first tracksuit managers out on the grass, coaching players tactically and technically to make them better. Because anybody who knows the history of football management knows that before that, basically, the teams were either selected by the board, a team of suited men, Who decided on the board, uh, in the boardroom, what the team was to be, or a kind of Victorian father figure who, dressed in a suit and a hat, would possibly watch training sessions from afar, but basically just picked a team and dictated what was to happen with very little tactical or technical input. That was how football management worked. Before the 1970s, really. And there's a parallel again with Shanks. In a different way. And possibly with United, but more with Shanks and Liverpool. Because Shanks joined Liverpool in 1959, before Jock joined Celtic. But Liverpool were floundering in the second division. And were not doing anything of any note and when jock joined celtic celtic were definitely second best to the mighty rangers and were actually considered to be the also runs of the city jock started to make his mark his man management skills stood out his tactical knowledge was unknown before his era and the way that he helped players he was, yes, the boss and what he said went and he stood no dissent but his energy his attention to detail His work ethic, his knowledge of the game, and he was known in, in, under a phrase of an oracle come agony aunt. An oracle come agony aunt. He loved his players. He knew his players. And it was said he knew more about the other teams, particularly Rangers, than the managers of those teams themselves. Jock was the first into the club in the morning opening up and consistently numerous nights per week would travel hours and hours to away games to watch teams and players often down to England to Liverpool to Manchester to Newcastle wherever needed. Jock's work ethic was second to none. The book's tell you in no uncertain terms, he was on top of everything, he knew the game, he knew the business, he was all over everything, there's parallels there certainly to Shanks and certainly to Sir Alex, as well as being the boss and this esteemed figure of authority which Jock was, he he had a big frame, he was a big man and had an enormous intellect And was respected when players really did respect managers. And respected authority. But he also had a humanistic side. There's two stories stand out. One about the great Jimmy Jinky Johnston. Who was known as Celtic's greatest ever winger. Who it's known loved the nightlife. Was in love with alcohol. Or alcohol was in love with him. And was the little troublemaker that besets many a manager. And Jock spent many an hour trying to keep Jinky under control. Often failed, but in a lot of lights succeeded. There's a great story in the book where Jock was told one evening or one morning that Jinky had been out on one of his regular drinking sessions and had basically come straight into the club for training without going home after consuming copious amounts of alcohol and getting up to whatever activities were involved in as well. Jock being the wise old sage decided to put a heavy work session on and put Jimmy Jinky as he was known, in with the two best runners in the club, split the players up into groups of three and sent them off for a brutal running session. An hour later, the two best runners in the club were kneeling on the grass, hands on hips, feeling like they wanted to be sick. And Jinky had beaten them into submission. I think they'd say that was 1-0 to Jimmy Johnson. But you get the message. There's also a player called George Connolly, who suffered greatly with what we'd now umbrella term as mental health issues. Um, George eventually gave the game up at 27. But it's documented that Jock spent many a night travelling up to his home. I believe in Fife trying to solve his problems and trying to get him to see another way because of the great player that he was. His success attracted attention from English clubs, but Jock turned them down. It's thought that maybe it was because of his wife's desire to stay in Scotland, but he refused to massively improve his wages and his stock as a manager, and stay at Celtic. He was so successful at Celtic that they went on to win nine consecutive championships. And relegated Rangers, their arch rivals, to a decade of being second. The epitome of Jock, Jock's professional life has to be in 1967 when Celtic under Jock's management became the first British club to win the European Cup which went on to become the Champions League. He won it with a group of players when there weren't numerous subs who all lived, I believe it was within, within 13 miles, who came from and lived within 13 miles of Parkhead or Celtic Park. Local boys who went to lisbon in 1967 they beat inter milan 2-1 after going a goal behind and that's when shanks who went to watch the game and who ironically never won the european cup but created the team that went on to win it. Put his arms around Jock on the pitch. Or in the dressing room. And whispered. The words. Jock. You're immortal now. And as the epitome. Really of Jock's. Management career. Although success continued domestically. As with all teams, the time comes when decline sets in. And so it did with Celtic. And after surviving a near-fatal car crash in 1975, when Jock was considered lucky to be alive, After this, spending a period in hospital and then returning to the club in his manager role. Things were never the same. And despite great times when Celtic were still top of the tree, epitomised by the emergence of talent such as Lou Macquarie, who obviously went on to Manchester United, And, of course, Kenny Dalgleish, referred to by Archie McPherson as the boy who would be king, graced Jock's teams and graced the Scottish international team. In 1978, I think at age 55, Jock was out of work. The great Celtic manager had been relieved of his duties. Ironically, at the time that Scotland were competing in the 1978 World Cup in Argentina. After this, Jock did have a brief spell as manager of Leeds United, where he was treated like a king, paid handsomely, and had basically anything he needed or wanted, and so it's written. But again, his love of Scotland, his his wife's desire to be in her own country and the call of the Scottish international team put an end to his forays into the English League. And in 1978, Jock became manager of Scotland as a natural choice. And... He had mixed success. It certainly wasn't the roaring success that he had with Celtic. But international management is so different. And it was in the 1986 World Cup qualifiers where we come to the end really of Jock's life. Scotland had to beat Wales in Cardiff to qualify for the 1986 finals. And it was at Ninian Park in 1985, September 1985. And a high-tension game where Mark Hughes puts Wales 1-0 up. And with nine minutes to go, Scotland are awarded a penalty, which, is, which was converted by Davy Cooper. And there was a foray during this and soon after around the Scotland bench when photographers got involved with Jock. And it was at this time that it was reported that Jock collapsed and was taken into the stadium treatment room, but was pronounced dead soon after and there's stories in the book about how Graham Suness and Sir Alex Ferguson, who was Jock's assistant at the time, responded and reacted. And it appears from post-mortem type discussions that Jock had been on medication, diuretics to reduce the fluid in his body and the stress on his heart and lungs. But because of his desire to be on top of his game he had declined to take the medication and the consequences obviously, are well known. And I think a beautiful summing up comes in the book, or certainly Archie McPherson's book, where a fan outside the stadium says when he hears the news, I couldn't care less About qualifying for the World Cup. I just want Jock back. I just want Jock back. Such love for a great man. And look, you may not really have an interest in football. But he was a great man who was loved by many people who lived a life doing what he loved and what he wanted. He had to battle. He wasn't great at what he did, but he persevered. And he found his way to do what he wanted. He loved people and he was good with people in many ways. And the ways in which he was good, he utilised He put his values first. He put every single ounce of effort into his work and he was all over it and he had his time. A great life, a great story and great lessons. You can achieve your dreams if you put in all the work and you are all over what you're doing, and you love people, and you put your values first. The life of Jock Steen. Catch you later, bye bye.